Welcome to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others affecting your voting decisions. Here are your hosts for electionspeakers.com, Lori Schloff and Dr. Dennis Becker. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Dennis Becker, and this is electionspeakers.com, the place to hear unique critique of the speaking styles of candidates and others who are part of this presidential campaign. And today is October 6, 29 days before Election Day, and one day before the next presidential debate. And, what are we, three days, is it? Three days since the vice presidential (laughs) debate. Another one (laughs) coming up any minute. Wow. So today we're going to be talking about all of those things. I'm joining me today on the program are my co-host from right to left around your radio dial, mm-hmm. author, professional speech coach, Lori Schlaff. Hello, Dennis. And Glad joining, to be here. Also joining us, and we're always delighted, particularly around this time of year, of course, is our debate specialist and professional speech coach and authorist, Dr. Deborah London. Welcome, Hi, Dennis. Debbie. Thanks. Very happy to be here. Were you happy with the debate the other night? Oh, happy? That's a <laughs> thought-provoking. I'm not sure I would have used that word. Uh, it definitely thought-provoking, thought-provoking is good. Thought-provoking, for yes. sure. It definitely provoked a lot of thought. Well, we want to hear a little bit about that as we move through the program today. Now, Lori, I know you've got some, uh, some specific things scheduled yeah. for us today, including we have a special guest mm-hmm. who will be joining us, oh, by about 10, 10 minutes or so from now, 10 or 15 minutes from now, we have a special guest joining us from St. Louis, someone who was at the debate, the Palin-Biden debate, and she'll be joining us in just a few minutes, and we'll talk about what it was like to be in the arena that night. Lori? Well, I thought we could focus in a little more depth. If we remember, it's already a few days since that debate, and we're on to the presidential debate, in a, actually tomorrow night. I thought we could go into more detail about some of the delivery techniques or lack of technique we saw. And Dennis came up with a few good suggestions. How about if we talk about um, their their eye contact? So a lot of questions came up about contact with the camera. Who should Palin and Biden been looking at? Uh, perhaps we can talk about more about their choice of language, the faux pas, the slang. Gotta get them. Uh, that uh, actually they're both famous for. You betcha. You betcha. I like it. I'm going to start using that. It sounds so friendly. Also, I I have been asked, and I'm sure you two, uh, my colleagues as well, have been asked many, many questions. Uh, so I have a whole bunch of them, and maybe I'll start with this one. Um, how do you tell if someone is just memorized or if they genuinely know something? Well, I mean, I can yeah. tell. I, I think is that, you know, years of being speech coach, for goodness sakes, I've been doing it for, I hate to tell you, mm-hmm. <coughs> 40, okay. about 40 years. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, I can tell by the two two things. Okay. First of all, visually I can tell by the, the, the look on the body, not just the face, but the way the body reacts. In this case, we only had much of the, the face to go on, but I can tell by the look on the face is one way. And uh, the other night I had the feeling that uh, mm-hmm. Governor Palin was reciting a lot from memory, which accounts for the very the little change or the, the, the repetitive facial expressions mm-hmm. that she had and the kind of staring into the camera that she did. But the other way that I can tell with the speakers mm-hmm. is the speed, the rapidity, the, the clarity with which they say certain things and not other things, indicating to me that certain things have been memorized and or are so familiar to them that they come out as almost as though they're memorized. And I noticed that in both of the candidates the other night. Mm-hmm. 
is it possible to be knowledgeable but not come across as knowledgeable? Almost a converse question. I mean, everyone would agree um, Governor Palin was pretty fluent with the words, as was Biden. But is it possible that you can know something and not be able to articulate it under stress? A lot of people ask me that. I'd say absolutely. I, I know from personal experience that happens to me quite often. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to go back to body language that Dennis okay. mentioned and that I heard, uh, I just caught the very end of someone commenting on their, their body language only, uh, Obama, um, excuse me, Biden and Palin. And what was interesting was they showed a different angle of the candidates from the side and from the back. From the side, Palin's legs were often moving. She didn't evenly distribute her weight. She was shifting weight. Mm. But what we saw over the lectern was very solid, and it was almost like from the, the, the ribs up, she was much more rigid, mm. and, and as Dennis said on a previous broadcast, uh, deer in headlights, and I have mm -hmm. to agree with that. So she didn't show Wide-eyed. Wide-eyed, very straightforward, almost afraid to veer off. I thought that was interesting. Biden, on the other hand, who did look down at the yeah. opening, I think that was illustrating his just kind of getting his bearings straight, and, and then he fell into a stride, and, you know, he's much more comfortable in this type of arena, whereas Palin, I think she's very good at presenting herself and winning people over, but as far as the, the connection between thoughts and ideas, like you were saying, and, and showcasing what she actually knows, so I'm not really sure what she actually knows. Right. Talk some more. I did notice Biden, not only did he seem to be looking down, but also, I don't know how to say this, it's not going to sound very professional, his eyes looked funny. They looked small, squinty, mm. and you know, now that I've heard that his, his mother-in-law apparently yeah. was literally dying, and, and we're sorry about that, of course, um, what was going on with him facially at the, at the first few minutes of the debate? Yeah, I noticed that too, and uh, <clears throat> the thing that I noticed about it was that it was very different than the Joe Biden we've seen yes. so much of in the past. The guy <clears throat> usually is sort of out there. He's in your face almost. Mm -hmm. His eyes are bright. His smile is humongous. I mean, he's right there in your face, no matter whether you're close to him or not. You get the feeling that this guy is lit up. And I certainly did not get that feeling with him during the debate. Now, none of us knew at the time, of course, that his mother was in the... Mother-in-law. Mother-in-law, rather, was in the latter stages of her life. Uh, and that may have been on his mind. We don't know that. But the fact is, it did uh, it did look like he was a bit tired or so. His eyes were half closed at the beginning. And it was only when he looked up and looked straight at the camera that they sort of opened up. And uh, I don't think it had a good, it wasn't a good look for him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he canceled two uh, campaign stops after the death of his mother-in-law. So, right, we don't, you never know what's going on with someone. That being said, yes. I think we're you know we're really looking very closely not knowing any of that background information i still think he overcame that because you know your audience doesn't know what you don't yeah, reveal to them yes right. absolutely absolutely um so again in terms of overall style let's say that that all these candidates can at times come across as confident and poised let's say and and some more than others as speech coaches, I was wondering, how important do you believe the ability to come across as confident and poised is in being a leader? Well, it's everything. I mean, it's absolutely huh? everything. Everything, I mean, Dennis? I, I think it's everything. I mean, I, I think people judge more on the, 
the presentation, so to speak, in the broad sense, the pre presentation of yourself and your ideas than they do in the specifics of that. So if you take it away from politics and put it into the business world, I mean, it has everything to do with the way you look, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you wear your clothing, your hair, your glasses, I mean, everything. And, of course, the way you speak, the speed at which you speak, the articulation, the clarity. There's a really interesting study that was done uh, of, of in business world, in, a, in the business world, of what makes a difference when, a, when you're becoming familiar with a business client. Mm -hmm. The number one thing was presentation. And they don't mean it in the sense of standing up in front of a group of the PowerPoint, but the way you present your company, the way you... The way you Present yourself, the, the, uh, the com company in terms of the confidence you have about the company. And that gets to the specifics of things like speed and articulation and clarity and sentence structure. So I think it makes all the difference in the world. I, I couldn't agree more. I, and this has been proven time and time mm. again since the first televised debates between Kennedy and mm. Nixon. It's charisma that comes across telegenically. It, it is what translates to American people, not what is said, not substance. And there, it's not to say that not all people are like that, but uh, so many people do vote on that that I think that's really presenting a challenge, more now so than ever. I think mm -hmm. we all realize that the most critical thing, of course, is the content. We all know that. I mean, in, and in our, uh, on electionspeakers.com, our focus is not that. We purposely say our, our focus is not that. We're not overlooking the value and importance of it, but we're here to talk with folks about that other part of why people vote the way they do. And this issue, to answer your question again, Lori, this issue of does it make a difference in the way you present yourself in terms of leadership makes all the difference in the world. Well, that's a perfect segue into Palin's folksy manner mm -hmm. and how people are responding to that positively or negatively. I found it very interesting that, in fact, uh, some of the students where I teach a class at Northeastern University were very, uh, they really picked up on that, on on the way that she speaks. Now, interestingly to me, was that many of the students did not really care for that, that mm. folksy mannerism. They said that's not the kind of leader that they want. They don't want that in a leader. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, I have run into some other people who say specifically that is what they want. They do yeah. want the neighborhood mom. So it's, it's dividing people even further, I think. Yeah, well, uh... Yeah, I could, could have repeated again what our guest the other night, uh, Wendy Murphy, said that just because... Yeah, that was some, great. Uh, you know, she was, she was right. She's a great analyst, MSNBC, NBC, CNN. But she's got it right. She said, these people may come across like my Uncle Charlie, but I don't want my Uncle Charlie running the country. <laughs> right. Oh, there's so much we can say about Sarah Palin. She, she's really on people's minds. Yeah, people course. think a of lot course. about well, her. I know, but that's what she's, we're talking about. She's ubiquitous. Ubiquitous everywhere. I'm interested. I, I know we have a guest on the line. I'm really excited to talk to her. We do. Thank you. And we're going to welcome her at this point. Uh, welcome to the show right now. We're welcoming Trudy Pukach. Did I get it right, Trudy? Close enough. <laughs> Close enough, she said. All right. Pugach. Thank you. Pukach. Rhymes with latch. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Now, Judy, uh, Trudy, you're joining us from St. Louis, where you are a student at, the, at Washington University, where the debate took place the other yes. night. Is that correct? That is correct. And you were at the debate. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I was one of the lucky few students that got a lottery ticket. Oh, well, that's great. Congratulations. Did, was it worth it? 
Oh, it was completely worth it. That's it was great. A great experience. Well, you know, uh, let me ask, we're going to ask you a couple of questions about the impression that you had there. And we've just been talking about uh, the impression that people make and whether or not the impression of leadership and exhibiting confidence, the way you come across, we're not talking about content now, but the way you come across, does that make a difference in terms of the way people see you and accept you? So tell us from the perspective of having been there, how these two uh, candidates came across and which one you felt had the greater sense of confidence and leadership? In terms of like disregarding content altogether, I would actually have to call it a pretty even draw because both of them just had a really good stage presence. They walked right out there. They were smiling. They both looked confident in answering every question. So it was kind of nice to see because when you see it on the, the TV, you only see up close. But when you see from far away, you're seeing that they're kind of embracing the whole um, audience. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely true. Trudy, so there were no screens where, this is Lori, you, where you could see their facial expressions. No, that was the only problem. I couldn't see the facial expressions. I heard that Sarah Palin was winking a lot, and I didn't really get to see it. <laughs> so you see it more from an overall body perspective. Uh -huh, uh, so uh -huh. there were no big uh, screens uh, on the sides of the stage or anything like that, right? Nope, you only saw it from where you were huh. sitting. Right. So, Trudy, just, just some sort of little picky points. Did they look as sort of tall as each other? Did they look presidential? Did That's where I think Biden has a little bit of an edge. He came across much more presidential-like, and I feel more comfortable personally like with him leading me, whereas Sarah Palin did work to her strength as coming off as your everyday type of person. Like, I'd want to be your friend. I don't know if I'd want her to leave the country but Trudy hi this is this is Debbie Trudy do you think that that's in part because that's what we're used to seeing as a president a taller white man or do you think that was in combination with the language that Palin was using I think it completely has like both to do with it but I would definitely go with language I think that the way he chose his words was a lot more professional so what was what she, what she said was aiming towards her strength, but so what? What were some of your impressions, or, or people that were around you, their impressions of Palin's folksy use of language, or or re repetitive use of, say, Maverick? Um, that was my favorite part about being in this <laughs> actually, is you can hear some of the crowd responses that you would never hear on television because people have to keep quiet. But you would hear a lot of snickering at some of Palin's. <laughs> word choice and a lot of laughing so <laughs> did you get the sense Trudy from that snickering that they were sort of uh, uh, humoring her they thought it was clever or were they sort of saying oh, what a joke this is what, what where were you um, I personally got it more of like wow is she serious right now <laughs> uh, yes 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 <laughs> okay. so that's how I interpreted it all right. Well, listen, do you have a sense, uh, as we finish up with you, thank you for joining us, but do you have a sense of what the student body is uh, saying, feeling since the debate about uh, these two candidates? Yeah, there's a, like Washington University is a very liberal school, and there's a very overwhelming presence of Obama fans. Um, so I would definitely say they're leaning towards that direction, and a lot of people were really impressed with Joe Biden. Right. One more thought, Trudy. Has life calmed down since the debates are over? Oh, so much. I'm relieved it's over. <laughs> Everything was crazy. It was crazy. And are you back to focusing on your, your work? 
Yep, I'm actually in the midst of studying for an exam right now. Okay, well, we oh. all wish you good luck. Yeah, We're good so luck. appreciative. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, and listen, I don't I don't expect that the teacher will accept. I had to be in a radio show, so I couldn't prepare. <laughs> you better not use yeah, us. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, Trudy. Bye, Appreciate Trudy. you being with us. <laughs> Bye. That's very clever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talking about uh, language, the, the one thing, or well, two things that we critiqued and we've done this before with Sarah Palin, is her use of two particular words that she never, I don't know, well, I'm saying doesn't get it right, but other people disagree. She doesn't seem to know how to say, according to general American pronunciation, the word nuclear. We get nuclear all the time, as we do with President Bush. And uh, he explained at one time, as well, that's the way we say it in the West, so maybe that's what she's picked up on. Boy, it's... It's grating to hear it, I think. And at any rate, I decided, well, let's figure out what is right. general American pronunciation of the word nuclear. I see you have a reference book I right there. I do. I turn to a reference book that is one of the most famous reference books in the United States. It's the NBC Handbook of Pronunciation. And I'm actually looking at the third edition. There have been, I think, five editions of this. It is that well-known and used by broadcasters and others throughout the world, really. But at any rate... I turned to the word nuclear. <laughs> and guess what it says? What? Nuclear is pronounced nuclear. Oh. Heavens. <laughs> Heavens to Murgatroyd. Oh. There is no such word as nuclear. You know, and okay, so the response that George Bush gives, well, that's how they say it in the West. Yeah. I've heard that many, many times, but you know what? That just does not sound like someone who has any kind of formal education. And for someone who is running in a position of authority for really more powerful throughout the world, I think that person should be able to pronounce something the way it should be pronounced. You know, particularly something as critical as nuclear Absolutely. power. Absolutely. It's a standard pronunciation. Nuclear that, weapons. And are you going to talk about some All country right. names? I've got, you have some country <laughs> you names. You have one other one, One Dennis? in particular one I decided to look up because I've, she's used it again and again and again. And that's the name of the country where our troops are now so major, uh, majorly engaged. I-R-A-Q. Okay? According to Sarah Palin, it's Iraq. I'm is, guessing it's not, though. Well, it's nearby Iran, so I, <laughs> maybe it could be. Is it nearby Italy? Uh, Italy? Oh, you mean where the Italians come from? I don't think so. So we went again to the NBC <laughs> Handbook of Pronunciation, looked up the name of the country, I-R-A-Q, and guess how you pronounce it. How? Iraq. All right. It, so, it, so help it, us Iraq, all out. Could you, could you say the... Say each one, um, Iraq. Am I correct? No. No. It, Help me. It, it, Iraq. Ear, Iraq. Ear, Iraq. Am I correct now? Yes. Iraq. Ir Iraq. And now say the other one. Iraq. 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 I. I. Right. I. And the it's other country I. is Iran. No, Iran. <laughs> so they both have the. Ear. Yeah, it's the same sound for right. Iran, and Iraq, and the easiest way to think most people do yeah. say the name of Italy. Correctly. Indonesia, Indone Italy, yes. Iraq, yes. Iran. Right. The same thing. Right, okay? right. So, Easy uh, for you, but it is subtle, Dennis. It's Dr. It, well, Dennis Becker. It, it's subtle, it's subtle. Uh, but I think uh, Debbie is on, to the right, uh, on the right track here. That someone who is interested in being a world leader should learn how to say the name of... We all kid, uh, kid about being able to say people's names, and those are very yeah. difficult in, in foreign countries. But for goodness sakes, at least the name of the country should get correct. I think you can relate to people and still retain the, the knowledge that you have and showcase that knowledge without coming 
to their level, so to speak. What I mean by that is when people say, well, people from the heartland of America won't want people who sound like they're the, from the heartland of America. If they're genuine people, people, if they're solid leaders, then you know what? If they're going to sound a little bit more educated or even say things correctly, I think that's okay. I think people will still be able to relate to that. I really do. Yeah, you know, in a business, from a business perspective, none of us as coaches would be, I don't think any, certainly not in our company, the speech improvement company, we would never suggest that someone from the north, let's say, who has to be working in the mm. south, would suddenly go to the south and start talking like they come from the <laughs> south, you know, like I have a southern accent or something. Absolutely. And, just... and vice versa. Someone who's born in the south and sounds like that naturally, you wouldn't want them to come to Harvard and start talking right. like they talk from Harvard. Pack the car. You, Ooh, I love this. It would more, be, more, it more. Would be, you'd spot it right away. It would be disingenuous yes. and phony. And I think what that's are you supposed point. to do? And, and you know, Sarah Palin actually is from Minnesota originally, so that is Idaho. where this Idaho. Did she live in? She, she was born in Idaho. I don't. And know. then There's she quickly went to Alaska. Quickly. There's Minnesota in there. I, well, she went to college at several places. Well, we'll have to check our facts. Yeah, yeah, we'll check that out. So this is getting me actually a little more confused because I'm also noting that both of you are doctors and then there's this elitist thing that do we want to elect someone better than us or do we want to elect someone who really gets us? If I could respond to that, that's a great I'm really glad you brought that out because I was trying to, obviously I didn't articulate it very well. No, no, keep <laughs> point, just point that out. I, I think what you're saying is, yes, that is the initial response a lot of people come up with. However... I'm not saying that people are in any way condescending or, or putting people down because they speak differently. I'm simply saying speak like you know how to speak, speak correctly, and don't change the way you speak to be sort of folksy or to fit blend in, if you will, unless that's how you actually speak. Well, I, I'm not so sure that she's trying to talk I don't think down. So. It's just the way she is. I think it's natural for her. Uh, but I think that to this point of elitism, uh, there is something to be said for people who will vote for someone or not vote for someone because they perceive they're too elitist or whatever, in the same way that there are people who will vote for someone because of their gender or because of their race or their religion. We're always going to have those individual tracks of people who just say, the most important thing is that he's this or she's that. Mm -hmm as opposed to looking at the content and the overall impact in the world and so forth. So there's going to be that elitism all the time. Right. I'm not so sure that that's what's at play here, but I think that's out there. Well, on the flip side of that, it might be because a lot of people are claiming that Barack Obama is coming across as elitist sounding. And, and so I think that it's, it's, a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a wash in that respect. Mm -hmm. But I also think he's just emulating the education that he's had and, and using standard pronunciation. Right. Well, over the years, um, Dr. Becker, I know that you've talked a lot about do what's effective. In other words, your communication should reflect what's going to work for you, be effective in that situation. That's true. So yeah. is the struggle here is we are really wondering what's going to be effective as a president or a vice president? Yeah, well, that's part of it. And to, to, to be a little bit clear about what Laurie is saying, and she's quite correct, I mean, we are often asked as coaches, and I know I certainly am asked all the time as a coach and a radio TV host and you know a teacher at Harvard and an author of several books and so forth. Everybody thinks I know stuff. So they come and ask me. <laughs> I don't know why the they would think that. Know, why they think I know stuff? Yeah. And they'll say to me, "Well, what's the right way to say such and such?" 
And my answer is always this. In fact, I had a guy at NBC one time doing an interview mm -hmm. here ask me that, and I couldn't answer his question about rights. So he says, well, everybody should stop the camera and clarify this. I said, no, wait a minute. You don't have to stop the camera. The point is, if I say that something is right or wrong, who am I to say that? I can tell you what the book says. The way we answer that question as speech coaches most effectively is to say, it's not a matter of what's right or wrong. Yes. It's a question of what's effective or ineffective. Right. So in a certain situation, certain words, which we might find very abhorrent, would be very effective in another situation. Yeah, that, like that's betcha? True, right? Is that, betcha maybe, is a controversial maybe. term now. Okay, that, maybe. That, that's true, and I don't want to sound like I'm waffling here, but you, yeah. you know, Palin got where she is because she knows how to win a crowd right. of people. She's very popular in the literal and sense of popular. And so, yeah. you know, if she were to change at this point completely, that would seem disingenuous. Of course. Oh, it would be. So I'm not saying she should yeah. change. I'm just saying on these couple of words, if she could just pronounce them But that would please you, Dr. London, but would it please... The farmer in Idaho. There are I'm always, not sure. Uh, there are, there are always a, folks who are going to look. They will vote on the wink. There's always people who will. I, I, I'm, I, you know, if I was a guy, it. I might vote for her on that well, wink. She, she's going to get some votes because of that. I mean, we know that. <laughs> worse and things have been done. Obama is going to get some votes because he's tall and lanky. I mean, there's he's those, one these, handsome guy. These folks are out there. We're hoping through this program and others, we hope that people take the time to look at not only the way which is what we're critical about, but the what people are saying. And when you put the two things together, the way and the what, then you find out, is this a person I really want to have me ha represent me in the rest of the world? I, I'm bothered more than almost anything what? else in this, mm -hmm. in this uh, time of our, of our lives here that we have lost, the United States has lost such an, uh, so much credibility in the world. We had so much good credibility built up. We were friendly almost everywhere. And now we're, it's the opposite almost everywhere. What happened over eight years? Yeah. So now as I look at these new candidates, I'm looking at who can get that back for us. And I'm, that's why I'm concerned about the wink and the smile and the saggy-looking eyes of his. Yeah. All of that stuff, how will that play in the rest of the world when we are trying to bring back the credibility that the United States has. You know, I think something that's interesting here is computer-mediated communication, and that is, I think, more so now than ever with YouTube and other other things through the Internet and the accessibility that's improved over the last four, 12 years in particular. I'm getting emails from people around the world of, of things that are they're really hitting on that, that aren't necessarily showcasing the, the United States in a very positive light, exactly yeah. what you're referring to. Yeah. yeah. You know, I heard a commentator say that, in his mind, a very respected commentator, Steve Roberts, the husband of Pokey Roberts, known as someone's <laughs> husband, that's great, but he's famous in and of himself. And he said that the style words he was looking for, and I just, it really resonated with what I think is important, are intelligence and temperament. A good temperament and high intelligence. And I said, that makes a heck of a lot of sense to me. you got to know stuff and you yeah. have to know how to control yeah. yourself. That's interesting yeah. because yeah. that's one of Biden's biggest flaws is that he sometimes has trouble controlling his passion, as it's often called. I haven't seen that. Yeah. I, he I hear people say it, but I yeah, haven't seen it, it happen. Not in a negative way. I know, of course, McCain's infamous for having had temper issues. Well, you know, the so. negative ads that are coming from both sides now, I hope are not going to take away from the very uh, important content issues that we have to deal with. So we're, yeah. you know, let's keep an eye on those ads as well as the way these, these folks are presenting themselves. Dennis, what's coming up next, right, well, debate-wise? Any minute, shall we say? 
any minute is really? right. Well, we'll be actually be back with you folks again tomorrow because the uh, next presidential debate is tomorrow, October 7th, today being October 6th. And it will be coming to us from Belmont University in Nashville. And a very interesting uh, debate, too, because tomorrow night, this is the so-called town hall debate. Now, this is what John McCain's been asking for for a long, long time. What is a town hall debate, uh, Dr. London? Well, in this regard, it's, it's a more comfortable, well, the word comfortable is relative, I suppose. Mm -hmm. but informal? It, in, less, yeah, less formal. They're not standing at lecterns the way that they were. It's really just the format of it. And, it, and the town hall is evoking the idea of a town hall meeting, you know, where people in the audience are asking questions, and I'm sure they're either prepared or they've been screened very closely ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in seeing if they move around, if you can see more of them than behind a lectern. That would be make it very unique. And frankly, you know, a lot of people have trouble watching for an hour and a half. I'm hoping there's some more energized. It has been done a couple times before. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Al yes. Gore was in, I'm forgetting mm -hmm. yeah. which debate at the moment uh, 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 with Clinton and Dole did it and boy Clinton made <laughs> a huge plus out of it oh. yeah that's he definitely knew, he knew where the camera was he knew to move he knew how to move towards the audience he he responded to the audience when they questioned to him he didn't just respond to Dole he made mm. a huge success uh, so I, it's going to be a very interesting debate. Now, all of the questions, by the way, are going to come from the audience. Right, Tom right. Brokaw, who is the moderator, will not ask any questions. Right, he's just from a facilitator audience. and yeah. kind of That's keeping right. things in order. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to it. I, I want to say a special thank you to Nick's at Cafe Nicholas in Newton, Massachusetts. He's been so incredible. The political in, center of Newton. In host, <laughs> in, yeah, and, and hosting the, the debate gatherings for us with really great food. And we're expecting a great crowd tomorrow night, too. So mm -hmm. we are hope that you'll be with us as well. Uh, we are here, as you know, every Monday, and of course with every one of the specific uh, presidential and <clears throat> vice president. Too bad we don't have another vice presidential debate, huh? Yeah, would it would thing. be really good if it was a town hall format. Whatever it is, we'll be that here. That would be interesting. Now, that remember, would be very if, interesting. If, if you'd like to be here with us, simply drop us a line at comments at electionspeakers.com. Remember, we get all of them, and we love to see and hear them, and we would love to hear from you. Comments at electionspeakers.com and we get them from all over the world so why not from you and uh, we'll be back with you again next time tomorrow we'll be uh, and we want to give a special sh shout out thank you to Trudy Pugach yep Pugach good luck on your Pugach. exam Trudy yeah. uh, sorry Judy, Trudy if I got your name wrong my goodness I apologize but we're great to have you on the, on the show today it was a great guest and nice to have you all with us in the listening audience so be with us again tomorrow when we come back right after the presidential debate on October 7th from Belmont University. We'll be looking forward to having the opportunity to talk about that debate and what happened. Uh, so be with us. And until next time, then, this is Dr. Dennis Becker saying thanks for listening and bye for now. You've been listening to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others included in the 2008 U.S. presidential elections. ElectionSpeakers.com is posted every Monday.